Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, Aston Villa fans, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. And uh, this is definitely a podcast I didn't think I was ever going to be doing. Um, certainly one that I didn't think I, uh, not with the, the person anyway that's supposed to be involved in this uh, in this podcast. And that, of course, is Matthew Alemany, um, who is the current sporting director, director of football, should I say, of um, of Barcelona at the moment. And overnight, it broke, whereby it looks like he is going to be the new sporting director slash director of football of Aston Villa Football Club, which is, to be honest with you, is quite um, quite a coup if Aston Villa can can pull this one off. And I'm I'm going to go into a bit a bit of detail with regards to who this who uh, Matthew Almeny is. Um, I also have somebody potentially lined up to come on and talk to us about him and his tenure specifically within Spain, or, uh, and and it's somebody in Spain. It's somebody that knows uh, that, that that knows what the um, the lay of the land is, I suppose. But regards to sporting directors, how involved they are in transfers and stuff like that, I, I'm hoping they're going to come on. They may I may not be able to make it work, so I kind of shouldn't really say anything. But for today, I'm going to take a little look down through who Matthew Elmany is um, is and what he has done uh, throughout his career, I suppose, really since he has uh, been a football administrator. And I think it's very important. I'm going to I'm going to keep on utilizing the word football administrator for him because I think there's been a small bit of 
how will I put this? There's been a small bit of um, cross wires, I think, uh, uh, along the way that, that this guy is the 100% whole package of a scouting department and so on and so forth. He's very much an administrator of a football club with regards to he has, uh, we'll see it in a moment, he has a law degree, which he got in 1985 from um, when, when he uh, when he was living in Mallorca. And he also has a, a master's in um, financial accounting as well so he really does come from the background of process procedure um documentation you know knowing his way around deals i suppose really um so the football side of things is something he has learned and he's definitely come up through the ranks he has served his apprenticeship in football administration absolutely has served his apprenticeship 1993 he got involved with Mallorca, and he's worked his way up um as i say since but why am i telling you about this now how's about we uh, we take a little look at some um, at some slides. Yes, I, I know a couple of people have said Fabrizio has, has all but confirmed the deal is done. Um, I also so should I say this? I got it. It's mad. The internet is an insane place. Okay, the internet is an actual insane place. Me, a guy sitting in my podcasting boudoir here in Ireland, got a sniff that a new sporting director was going was was going to be announced about two nights ago, and. There was two names thrown out, and this guy's name was one of them. But also previously, um, it was reported heavily that Cardan um, was Antonio Cardan from um, Betis was going to be the sporting director. So that's why I kind of pumped the brakes. I obviously didn't, did, it wasn't going to be throwing anything out there, and and certainly didn't um, didn't mention mention anything about this in social media. And that's why I'm just being a little bit cautious at the moment. It's most likely it's ninety nine percent done. I would imagine if all the big outlets are mentioning it, and we should be excited about it. Um, but as as I say, that's why I'm, I'm prefacing this with potential new sporting director or director of football just in case something happens um at the very last minute and and as i say uh, it's it's it, the internet is insane because i don't even know this person who reached out to me you know via dm on twitter so uh thank you to whoever you are you anonymous uh, person that i hope i probably will never hear of ever again um <clears throat> so uh let's take a little look at uh at matthew alimony as well, um, there he is. He's looking pretty perplexed, as he would be if he was staring out at the computer screen at my ugly head at the moment. So, um, one of the big things, well, let's just read down through the um, what really kind of broke, I suppose, first yesterday. Um, well, I don't know, was it first? It might. It was. It was in around the same time. So, Barcelona uh, released a statement, and this is a statement, and it says that Barcelona director of football Matthew Alemany will end his time at the club on the 30th of June to begin a new professional project. Uh, worded in such a way as he had already accepted a new challenge. That's what I would take from that first line. Uh, despite having a contract until 2024, Matthew Alemany has informed the FC Barcelona president, Joan Laporta, of his intention to take a new path in his career, but at the same time assuring that he will complete the summer transfer market with the club. I have no idea what that means. When he's going to join Aston Villa Football Club, what this complete the summer transfer market with the club means. I, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure there. And there's even more ambiguity when you look at the next paragraph here, which says, therefore, despite formally leaving the club on the 1st of July, thanks to an informal agreement, Matthew Alemany will commit himself to completing the first team's transfer business this summer, even if it should be at the final moments of the transfer window. Now, is that uncommon? I would imagine it's uncommon the way it's phrased here. I would imagine that this guy coming in the 30th of June, the 1st of July, would have little to no impact on um, 
the transfer strategy that Aston Villa will have put forward. He will be a huge cog in the wheel for what Aston Villa will do. And, and I'm going to speak on this in a moment uh, because I think, once again, personally, I'm of the opinion that that, uh, that that he's part of a structure that's going to come in at Aston Villa, and we'll speak about that in a moment. So is the fact that this guy is going to be um, you know, helping Barcelona out with their transfer dealings after his contract is finished um, a, a worrying thing? It's not a worrying thing for me. Um, it's just uncommon, is what I would say. But him coming in the 30th of June or the 1st of July, should I say, he's not going to blow up our, our summer uh, our summer transfer plan and uh, and come in and start putting his stamp on it all over the place. He'll be utilised on a consultancy basis, I would imagine, maybe with some negotiation pieces as well, which I'm going to get onto in a moment, because when we look back at his transfer strategies, how he's worked the transfer market for previous clubs before, or how he's negotiated those deals, um. I think uh, we, we, we might understand why he's going to be quite a vital cog in the wheel um, for Aston Villa uh, this this off-season as well. Um, so it goes on to say the incorporation of Matthew Alemany into the first-team structure following Joan Laporta's victory in the presidential elections, blah, 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 blah. I don't even need to go, go down through the rest of it. The first, those two paragraphs are the main thing there to keep in mind. While this guy is potentially going to become Aston Villa uh, sporting director, um, we will not see his footprints or his hand, fingerprints on this um, within this, this coming transfer window in the main. So what does that mean? Let's take a little look at something here. So before we go on, actually, these are just some of the tweets that uh, that have come out recently. So as you said, you guys saw there, uh, Fabrizio Romano is is convinced that it's happening. David Ornstein also convinced that it's happening in the wonderful Villa Report. Villa Report, if you watch this, you do an absolutely superb job aggregating the, the, the content online and you are the original and the best at doing it. And uh, thank you very much because, um, you know, you when something pops up and when I get a notification um, they, and you've put it out, I know that it's from a decent source and uh, it's, 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 it gets me excited. So thank you very much to Villa Report, whoever you are, uh, <laughs> whoever you are. And if you ever want to come on the podcast anonymously and talk about what you do, that would be absolutely fantastic, too, as well. Um, <clears throat> so. Uh, Let's take a little look at, at, at uh, Alemany's uh, biography. As I said here, he does have a law degree. Um, I'm going to speak a small bit on this in a moment once I go down through the pit in the left-hand side. He also has a master's in financial accounting, which I've mentioned before. And he had a failed run at the presidency for the Spanish Football Federation in 2000 and 2009 as well, um, which I think is interesting. Uh, sorry, 2000, was it seven or 2009? I can't remember, um, which I think is interesting as well, because he obviously would have been held in high regard to have even been put forward for the position, never mind have a run at it as well. Um, and at that time, he would have been um, he would have been 50. Ish, I think. Um, no, it would have been less. It would have been, would have been in his late forties, um, because he's only sixty now at the moment. So I think that's interesting. Now, why am I focusing in on the fact that he's got a law degree and a master's in financial accounting? I think that's really important when we look at the structure that, that Barcelona had, or the structure that Barcelona still have at, at this moment in time, and why I think that it gives a, an insight into Aston Villa's the potential structure Aston Villa are going to have. If we're going to start playing with the big boys, we need to have a big boy structure in place. We need to, like, it's good. And for me, I think that there still is a place for um, Johan Lange, 
I think there still is a place for Christian Perslow. This guy doesn't come in here and blow them out of the water. And I, and and we'll speak about that in a moment. But the reason that the law degree and the financial accounting thing is really important for me is because it's another safe hand on the teller, number one. It allows it, it allows specialization into maybe the footballing side of things. It allows almost um, segregation of the company itself into infrastructural um, developments, you know, maybe looking at uh, maximizing um uh, I, I don't want I don't, I don't want to start saying the dirty words of like maximizing profits and funds off the field and then allowing somebody to manage then everything on the field as well. So the segregation of those two those two areas potentially that's what what, what could happen here because Alemany has got the, the that's what he did at Barcelona and he did it really really well. Um, so we can see his biography here um, at, at Mallorca. He was deputy managing director from 1990 until 1993. So um, if that if my maths are right, he was deputy managing director when he was 27, taking on the CEO role when he was 30. And he stayed in that CEO role for 40, or for uh, until he was 47 and um, for 17 years. Then he went on to be president of Mallorca from 2000 and 2005 and then from 2009, 2010 as well. Um, during that period of time, now Mallorca were not a powerhouse. At that period of time, they flip flopped between the La Liga and the Segunda. They flip flopped up and down and in and out, and they were they were not a stable entity. They were a bottom of the table team. But during um, during Alemany's, um tenure, he brought them to a third place. Sorry, when I say he brought them, he was part of the structure and he was an influential top of the table part of the structure that brought them to a third third place La Liga finish and also to the 2003 Copa del Rey um, winners. Um, uh, they were the 2003 Capital Ray winners. And we're going to look at, at, at things to do with transfers in a moment where I think he was highly influential with regards to his bargaining, his negotiating um, abilities due to the fact that he has he is so highly educated with a law degree and a master's in financial accounting as well. And we will look at that also. Uh, moved on to Valencia. So I took some time out for about seven years, as we can see there. Um, took some time out. Uh, came back to Valencia. Um, as general director from 2017 2019 um, rebuilt Valencia um, who were owned by Peter Lim at the time and and we'll speak a small bit in a moment about why that just fizzled out um, but they were uh, during that period of time from 2017 to 19 twice they finished in fourth place in the in, in La Liga they won the 2018 Copa del Rey uh, Copa del Rey as well and they were Europa League semi-finalists as well during that period of time uh, Valencia were very much in the in the European wilderness for for years. Peter Lim bought them, injected some some uh, money into them. Alemany was was pivotal in hiring Matalino for uh, the managerial job there as well. Um, why it all went south so quickly was not anything to do with Alemany. It was due to Peter Lim and his running of the club, I suppose, really. Um, basically, there was an agreement between the two. The Alemany said, listen, I'm out of here. Uh, they sacked Matlino and they brought in Alberto uh, Salades um, and there was no consultation with the general director. He felt that he was being over, uh, undermined. He didn't want Matlino to leave and it was just a simple case there whereby when the rug was pulled out from under Alemany, um, he decided his, his tenure, his, his time there was untenable and they had a... Um, they had a tete-a-tete, I suppose, really, and Button decided that he should leave. And since then, Valencia have not really reached those heights since. So um, once again, he went in there. He he had to do a real rebuilding job at, at Valencia as well, and and he hired the right manager at the right time as well that got them got them kicking on as well, which was um, 
which was interesting. Then, takes a couple of years out, which I like. I like about this measured, not scattergun approach, waiting for the right opportunity, sitting on his achievements as opposed to just bang, 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 get the next job, get the next job, stay relevant. Takes two years out or a year and a half or whatever, and Barcelona come knocking. Now, Barcelona were in the absolute horrors and the depths of despair, as we all know, because of their financial uh, financial meltdown that, um, what's, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, is it Bartomeu? Um, left them in. Uh, so he was the president from 2014 up until 2020. And he didn't really leave them in a healthy position, as we all know. Panicked after Neymar was sold and then went and just scattergunned, uh, leveraged the, the, the club's future. And somebody had to come in and try, try and mop it up and step forward, LMNE. So he's come in and we're going to take a look at his strategy, I suppose. Number one, and what we always look at or what we what we as fans more so look at really is how did he make, how did he mold the squad? How did he maneuver around the squad uh, situations that he had? And what has he put in place going forward uh, as well? And as I say here, you know, he was in there and in two short years, they hadn't won La Liga since 2018-19 season. And they're going to be likely, as I put in there, likely La Liga winners, barring an absolute capitulation so far. So the guy has a plan. The guy, the guy is is known for planning. He's known for coming in. He's known for putting structures in place and um, allowing a football side be the football side while overseeing it in a manner that is uh, congruent and, 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 and measures up with what the expectations of the footballing side is from the operational side of the club as well. So. Um, I see a couple of people in the comments asking what his role will potentially be. So let's take a look, little look at the Barcelona hierarchy. And this is very, very... Um... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, how am I going to put it? This is kind of diluted kind of hierarchy. So we have Juan Laporta at the very, very top as the president. Then we have Rafael Yust, who's the director of the sports area, um, which he basically looks after. So Barcelona are a sporting entity. They've got basketball teams. They've got volleyball teams. They've got all this futsal and everything. And Rafael Yust oversees that. And then underneath him, then from the footballing point of view, was uh, Matteo Alemani was the director of football. But he also worked alongside Jordi Cruyff as the sporting director. And then underneath them, there was the director of Spanish scouting, uh, which was Jose Maria Baquero, who former Barcelona player, and uh, Juan Soler as well, was the director responsible for youth football as well. So the structure, the hierarchical structure that they had in, in Barcelona is uh, is interesting because when we look at underneath it, so if we look at a president and we have the president there as Suarez and Edens, then we look underneath it that the director for the sports area as such would be uh, Christian Perslow type person, somebody who overlooks kind of the infrastructural side of things, makes sure that the, that the trains run on time, essentially. And then you get down into it here. 
you have Matthew Alamany and Jordi Cruyff alongside each other. And this is where I think he fits in with Aston Villa. I think that he comes in there probably one step above Johan Lang, Langer, but I think that Langer stays because I think he's got, I think they like him in and around the building. I think he's got a good, I think he's scouting processes that he's brought in there. Um, while people may not agree with them, um, or while people may not agree with that he's gotten every scouting scouting um, and, and transfer right because he hasn't. I think that the methodologies he's brought in there are 21st century. I think that they're, that, that there's something that the club needs to have in place and build upon. And I, I think it was always going to be a long-term uh, project with somebody like that. But bringing in this guy, Anamani, over him to maybe oversee the project a small bit more and allow for specialization within those roles um, works well for me. Remember as well, we brought in Benoit Benoit, uh, uh, I can't pronounce his name, the guy from Betis that was supposed to come in with Antonio Cardan. He's come in. He is a strategic a strategic transfer analyst as well. He's also come in to work with, with, with Johan Lange so far, a rumour to be coming in to work with him. That's where I probably would think that could be the, the ousting of Lange come from that as opposed to the 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 appointment of Alamani because I think the specialisation is something that Aston Villa wants. As the organization gets bigger, as we look to want to, to um, perform in a more professional manner, I suppose, really, um, from, from a structural point of view, from a business operational structural point of view, off the field, I think that there's very much merit in this. And you're hiring a really good guy, a guy that's very intelligent that could come in here and work with this as well. So just something to bear in mind. I know the, the initial, so there's, there's, there's two kind of initial thoughts that came down the pipe on Twitter last night. And in a way, I'm lucky I didn't jump on directly and do this. I had a bit of time to think about it and structure um, and, and structure the podcast because the two pieces that the, the, uh, a lot were, I saw most on Twitter was, that's the end for Johan Langer. It could very well be, but I'm not so sure it is. And I'm not so sure it's because this guy was hired. And the other one was Barcelona are in the mud financially. How, why, how do we know this guy won't do this to Aston Villa? And he wasn't even there. He wasn't even there when it happened at Barcelona. He came in to fight the fire. Uh, he was the fella running around with the pail of water uh, for the last two years um, at, at Barcelona as well. Um, yes, Richard Edwards makes a good point as well. This could all tie into the overall footballing structure of our partnership clubs as well. Having somebody here with the organizational savviness of a law degree and, and having the, the, the a law degree of an accounting degree to oversee the whole project of V Sports, there's going to be somebody who's going to need to do that as well. While the other two boys concentrate on making their money in their other areas of uh, of expertise, the likes of Suarez and Edens, because remember they got to keep the money coming coming in from somewhere. Because it certainly isn't Aston Villa that's making them money. That will probably be something that uh, will be up to Christian Perslow. And then that will take the burden off Christian Perslow looking at after the footballing side of things, which I think we can all pretty much agree. He's very, he's been hit and miss with, with the footballing administration point uh, part so far. I, I, I'm staying away from anything to, at the moment just to do with the, with the ticket pricing. We will be doing stuff on that. But Christian Perslow is, uh, and I've said this before, Christian Perslow is somebody that will be looking over the infrastructural kind of changes around Aston Villa, the new developments the, and so on. He's not going to go on forever. Um, uh, you know, he, he's, he's in there from that point of view because I think he can offer benefit, benefit from that point of view. Um, you know, the, getting the new training ground, uh, in, in, inner city training ground, the North Stand, all that done. That needs high coordination and somebody uh, to look after that as well. And this allows that to be done 
while the footballing side of things not to take a backseat and continue to motor on. And as I say, I'm going to say it again, this guy has a very, very good proven pedigree. Now, when we look at it as well, I call him a football administrator, administrator. And the reason being is because I don't think he's going to be taking Jorn Lange's uh, job. I think he's going to come into work alongside him. But he does have a say, and he has had a say at every club, on strategy. Strategy and how, how teams have moved forward. And at the end of the day, he was the chief negotiator for a lot of deals. He was chief negotiator for uh, loan deals. Um, he was a chief negotiator and keeping youth players on and stuff like that at clubs. And let's take a little look at some of his strategies so far as well. Um, so at Mallorca there, we can see from 93 to 2010, he had a reputation for maximizing transfer. And you're going to hear about some blast from the past here, some great names, but reputation for maximizing transfer fees for their star players. So once again, Mallorca had no right to be charging huge transfer fees for any, for any club, or for any player, should I say. He maximized uh, the value of players like Finiti George. What a fantastic player and name. He, they sold him to Ipswich, I think, for five million, which at the time was huge for Mallorca. And you know what? The next year they actually bought him back again for pennies on the dollar. So the fact that he he and that's something you see from him uh, from time to, from time and time again that he signs a player and is quick then to maybe move on from him from him, or he sells a player and if it isn't working, he's he's okay to go back and look and, and, and re reevaluate and maybe reinvest in that player again and bring them back for a cheaper price. Also players like Alberto Luque, who's uh, I'm sure anybody who's watched La Liga in the early two thousands will know of as well. And his big one then is Samuel Eto'o. You know, Samuel Leto um, maximized the transfer fee on that to make a 20 million profit on somebody in 2004 was absolutely monstrous money, specifically for a club like Mallorca. And uh, he took a chance on him signing for 4.4 million from Real Madrid's um, second team, essentially, and it worked out really well for him. One of the biggest things that he had to do when he was with Mallorca, and I think it, 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 it held him in good stead, was he was comfortable working with scouting and finding players for lower fees as well because they weren't the richest club in the world, and he had to do that. And some of the names there are Samuel Eto'o, Felipe Melo as well, who uh, has only recently retired. He played with um, Galatasaray, he played with Brazil as well. And then Juan Arango as well, who he brought into to Mallorca, sold him on for quite a healthy profit. I think it was like $9 million to Borussia Mönchengladbach as well. Uh, back in the day too so uh, you know he was okay with get, bringing players in from for low fees and selling them on he his transfer strategy as well was he was okay with overturning squads if he needed to um, and bringing players in that fit um, a sort of, that, that fit um, financially and 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 the way the team that the team played as well uh, moving on to Valencia, he was given a small bit more cash. What he did here was he showed good control of the market, supplementing loan signings who later signed permanently. And a couple of those guys were Condogbia, um, uh, Gon Gonzalo um, Guedes, and, and then, um, oh, I can't remember his first name, but Murillo, the um, the Colombian centre-half who signed from Inter Milan. They were, uh, they were initially brought in on loans and then were signed then afterwards. So he, was, he knew he had to be frugal with his money, loan the try before you buy market and then agreed those prices and bought them brought them into the club then as well um afterwards he was also elevated youth like Ferran Torres anyone ever heard of him he actually signed Ferran Torres twice signed him from the youth team up to um to Valencia and then he signed him again when he was at Barcelona from uh, Man City and Ferran Torres is only 23 years of age I just like to throw that one out there and there's also a certain Kang Ying Yi as well there who we've been linked with and linked to it and linked to it. And you know what? 
this guy coming in makes me think that it's all the more plausible that we see uh, we see Kang in the in 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 a Villa shirt next season as well. And um, he also sold well at, at Valencia. He brought in like 40, 40 million for Cancelo um, at Valencia. So he knew the right time to sell. Uh, they could have kept the left back in Cancelo or right back or wherever, wherever he was playing at the time uh, for Valencia. They flogged him off. They got the 40 million. They reinvested it. And as I say, Peter Lim just decided to get toxic at the wrong time. He also sold Matt Ryan, which was which at the time people thought was an, it was an aberration. But he sold Matt Ryan and he actually replaced him with Neto goalkeeper, Brazilian goalkeeper Neto um, sold Ryan for 6 million replaced him with Neto for 7 million and um, you know Matt Ryan went to Brighton at the time. This episode is brought to you by Shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in Shopify's there to help you grow Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And then uh, onto Arsenal, and I, I can't remember where he is at the moment. So then at Barcelona, what he had to do was, as I said, he had to fight the fire caused by uh, ba- Bartomeu, who created the financial disaster at Barcelona. And to do this, he had to adopt a very, very um, stringent strategy. He signed players and, tr- and free transfers to maximize their sell-on fees. He signed Pierre, uh, Pierre um, Emerick Aubameyang for free transfer, sold him for twelve million, and uh, nine months later, bought De Pay, uh, brought him in the free transfer, sold him for three million. I know three million was was a, a decrease fee, but they made transfer fees back in them. And if you remember about the amortization of contracts, you sign somebody in a free contract, you pay them uh, X amount of wages. Then with regards to your to your financial accounting, if you sell them off, bring in a transfer fee and then you get their wages off the board as well. You're actually making massive positive pluses within the financial stream again. So remember, he's got a degree in law. He's got a degree in financial financial accounting. He's done something here with two players, brought in 15 million plus the savings into the future of their contracts from amortization. He also sold squad players for high prices, including Junior Furpo, 15 million for Junior Furpo. Emerson Royale wasn't getting a chance, getting in there. I think he bought him for something like, oh gosh, I, I, I'm open to, to, to correction this. I think they bought him for like 12 million and then sold him for 26 a year later. It's like a 14 million increase. He sold us Coutinho for 20 million. And uh, he also made sure that the maximized Griezmann's um, price as well by having a high loan fee for him over a two year period. And then Atletico Madrid then having to sign him. Um, on a permanent deal for, I think it was like 30 or 40 million afterwards. So just maximized the drip feed of um, of fees as well, um, uh, of, of fees for players there. And he invested in the squad overhaul in, short, in a short time. Yes, he signed Rafinha for almost 100 million. Has it worked out? 
Well, I don't know, has it? Look, it's a big money signing. I think it was going to need to justify more than the nine or nine or so goals that he's got so far. I think he's got a one in three clip for Barcelona in the league. He's brought in Kunde, who is going to be a fantastic player. Very nice player, young uh, player being played out right back at the moment. Initially was bought as a centre half, but having to fill in there. And he bought a little gem, Pablo Torre, uh, as well. Really young player. Uh, brought him in for five million. And also, he brought in Lewandowski, who scored 19 goals, I think, in 29 appearances for Barcelona. Albeit he is older, he has uh, he will score goals well into his late 30s. And I don't think I see any um, issue with him, um, him slowing up any time. To also supplemented them with the likes of Christensen on a free, Frank Kese on a free, and Eric Garcia on a free. They're all good players, but all three of those players fit into Aston Villa's team at this moment in time. It's definitely into their squad. And I think Barcelona needed to supplement their squad with free transfers, and they've done that really well. So while you may look in the on the outside and say, Oh, he signed players that haven't been that great for Barcelona. They've won the league this year and they look like they're going to win it pretty comfortably. And he's had to turn that around from a point of view of they were going out of business one minute to the next minute. He had to pull these levers, which everybody was saying were going to financially hamstring them into the future. I don't think that's the case. They, yes, they won't be a massive powerhouse, but they're not still not at the brink of going dead, I don't think, any, anytime soon. And a lot of that was due to the due to the careful... Um, transfer strategization of somebody like Ametio Alemany. I think that's it. I don't think of any more slides on him. No, I don't. Um, so a couple of, um, I'm going to come to a couple of your comments there as well while I have it. I've got like two or three minutes before I do have to run. Um, uh, so Zachary says, my mate, my mate's a Barcelona supporter and he's fuming about this up the villa. Seems to be Barcelona fans really appreciate the work he did in saving them from the brink. Um, and we know as a team that we were on the brink before as well. And we had, uh, you know, as I say, our owners came in and saved us too. So, um, you know, that's that's good to hear as well. Um, uh, where else are we? Yes, Carlo O'Neill does say that as well. So interestingly, we did. It was Previously, half announced that Cardan, that Antonio Cardan was going to join Aston Villa along with, um, I can't remember, is it Benoit or Benist or something like that? That the guy's name is, um, the 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 strategic analyst, uh, analyst, um, the two of them were going to join. Then it was rolled back, and it was just the strategic analysis uh, analyst that was going to join. And I'd imagine potentially that there was conversations even going on back then, as opposed to Alemany. And then Cardan, then is, uh, it looks like he is going to go to Barcelona, and he's a very very good sporting director, and he's a uh, in his own right as well it seems the word on the street in in spain is that it seems um like karen mcclatchy says barca barca broke is that not worrying no it wasn't his problem he didn't do it he fixed it if anything he saved the club um boom where are we there um uh, yeah there's a couple of people saying this twitter says he will have absolute control and an unlimited transfer budget i would put that down one million percent the phraseology of that to translate uh lost in translation I would so when you talk about absolute control, I'd like to see that in action because he's not going to have absolute control over the club, um, you know. But once again, we'll see what comes from that. The unlimited transfer budget—I don't even know what that means. We can't have an unlimited transfer budget with regards to financial fair play, um, but we will—I I would imagine there that he will have massive funds uh, to spend. I—I—I I, I don't know what the what the situation is there, obviously. But um, if the if the anonymous person that reached out to me and just happened to fire his name in a DM that I never even responded to at the time, um, wants to let me know what unlimited transfer budget means, that would be fantastic as well. Um, 
where else are we? Uh, there's one here that asked, is this is a... Um, bum, 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 where are we? Um, uh, 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 there was one that asked, is this an owner's appointment or an Unai Emery appointment? I, I would agree. I would believe that it's an Unai Emery suggestion and an owner appointment. And the reason being for that is that the owners aren't going to know who this guy is. Well, it's not that they aren't going to know who he is. The owners wouldn't wouldn't have the network to be able to delve into what he's done well at these clubs. Remember, Unai Emery worked at Valencia before. He's worked at Valencia before, you know, so he still has, I would imagine he still has a direct line to people there to be able to find out what was done there. So I would imagine this is a collaborative effort uh, between the between both uh, ownership and management um, to see what uh, see how he fit uh, w- would fit in here. Obviously, he does have the high profile Rasmataza coming from Barcelona, but I would imagine there's a lot more than just the whole. He used to be the director of football for Barcelona involved in this. Um, and you know when the owners get involved, they like to like they got involved when during the hiring of Una Emery. They like to make sure that um, that the person is of. Uh, how will I put it, uh, is is of a stature that's going to fit in. You know, when Suarez took control of the hiring strategy of, of Una Emery, as we're led to believe, you know, good things happen. So I would imagine that the ownership took control of, of the actual negotiation, but I would imagine that there's no way that we're going to bring someone in, someone in that wouldn't work with Una Emery, considering they've literally, you know, the, the miracles that Una Emery has pulled out of his back pocket since he's come in with Aston Villa as well. Um, where are we here? Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, the Richard Laws says here that he's against the return of Messi, um, and also against new contracts for Sergio Roberto and Busquets. Um, yeah, that there is rumors about that. I think there was more. The, the it doesn't look like that. Um, so uh, there's uh, the Busquets is going to say stay, but look, I suppose every little club has those, and when you have a hierarchical system, there there's not always going to be consensus. Um, I wouldn't imagine it was the massive reason that he left. I'd say the reason that he left was he probably had his job done and it was only going to be a maintenance job from here on in for him. Um, and when a project like this comes up, as we say, with potential unlimited funds, uh, for anybody listening on the podcast, I did bunny ears there. Or when I said unlimited funds, um, uh, you know, for something like that that comes up. And he's 60 years of age as well, you know. So um, I'm not saying that he's to be put out to pasture or anything like that, but, you know, maybe one more project and, while Barcelona did win La Liga this year, who knows when they're going to be financially back to the might that they were previously. Um, it will take an awful lot of commercial work off the table or off the, the, the field to be able to do that. Uh, and maybe he just sees a, a quicker path towards um, towards um, future successes, I suppose. I, I, and whatever they look like, I, I don't know for Aston Villa if he does join. I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, <laughs> where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Um... Yeah, I, 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 uh, if you guys like this, can you please give it a thumbs up? And if you like what we put out in the podcast, can you subscribe if you haven't already subscribed? Um, I would absolutely love that. It would mean an absolute lot, uh, loads to me. So I'm just going to leave you with that, everybody. We'll talk to you again later. And all that's left to say is up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.